he is immortal. Born in the highlands of Scotland 400 years ago, he is not alone. There are others like him, some good, some evil. For centuries, he has battled the forces of darkness with holy ground, his only refuge. He cannot die unless you take his head and with it his power. In the end, there can be only one. He is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome back to Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 3, Episode 1. That's right. We're back. Uh, we're been, back, baby. We have been away for a little while. Uh, too long, in our opinion. Uh, we're, we're not planning on having a, a between-season hiatus quite that long again. But um, yeah, this is Season 3, Episode 1. Uh, the episode was called The Samurai. And I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. And with me, my co-host... Audie, Audie, how have you been while we've been away? Man, uh, been good doing summer stuff and all that kind of crazy stuff, but we are back in the grind now. Kids are in school. Back to it. Yeah, it, it definitely was was too long uh, since we our last episode, which was Highlander 2, The Quickening. Um, yeah. So I'm ready to wash the bad taste of that movie out of my mouth and, and get back to some good Highlander uh, episodes. I don't know about you. For sure. For sure. And this was a good Highlander episode. It really was. It really was. We're definitely going to dive into that. But before we do, we have a thing. We have a thing that we do, and uh, it's a Watcher Chronicle. I found one. I found some more. Nice. Awesome. We have We have more. Um, these were, this was like a box of uh, cassette tapes is, is all what these all ended up being. So, um, well, let's just give it a listen. All right. Here it is. The Watcher sure. Chronicle. September 26th, 1994. McLeod has returned to Seacouver. When Dawson left to follow him to Paris, I wasn't sure we were going to see him again. We've kept the bookstore open as requested. I must say that with the Highlander overseas, things have been rather quiet around here. Charlie DeSalvo is still running the dojo, and things seem to be going quite well. A woman did stop by there today, looking for McLeod. She arrived about 30 minutes before he did. How did she know he was going to be here? We didn't even know. And why wasn't Richie Ryan with McLeod? Those two always travel together. Well, I'd better prepare for Dawson to show up soon. This is his assignment, after all. So our episode opens in Japan. We get a flyover of what looks like Tokyo, and um, there is a woman and a man. They're in bed together, and then she sits up, um, putting on a kind of a, a robe when the phone rings, and she answers it, and it's her husband. Dun-dun-dun. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that he was on his way to the airport, but now he's coming back because he forgot his briefcase. And she freaks out and doesn't want to get caught with her her uh, lover, so she's shooing him out of the out of the place. He's trying to um, trying to you know be like, oh, I love you, I, I want to stay. Blah blah. She's like, no, 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 go, 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 go. He leaves, and immediately uh, we find out that um, yeah, husband isn't halfway to the airport and driving back. He's sitting in the parking structure. And sends his goons, they grab the man named Akira and take him mm-hmm. down to the parking structure where uh, the man, the, the husband pulls out a sword. He has a katana. Meanwhile, the, his wife um, has kind of crept down and um, is watching things go on. 
So <clears throat> she sees her husband kill this man, Akira, slice him with a sword. And so mm-hmm. she runs back to the apartment. Husband shows up. He's very possessive of her. He's he's angry. He tells her, you know, Akira is not coming back. It had to be this way, da 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 um, And then says, let's go to bed. And she stabs him. She stabs him right in the back. Mm-hmm. And then runs. Yep. And we cut to the dojo, where Duncan arrives, bag slung over his shoulder. Last time we saw Duncan, he was walking away with Richie in Paris. Mm-hmm. So yep. we don't know exactly how much time has gone by. No Richie with him. Um, it's just no, Duncan. He's watching Charlie teach somebody how to properly kick him in the face. <laughs> um, I did like that it was a woman, too. Just, you know. Oh, yeah. That was great. One, that he was teaching her, and two, that she was kicking his butt. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they exchanged their pleasantries. I liked the fact that uh, we didn't get any kind of animosity between the two of them. They just picked right up where they left off. Good good buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Charlie's like, hey, you got a visitor. And I love Duncan's reaction there because he just says, wait, I'm not even here yet. <laughs> yeah. And looks over and there's, there is the woman. We find out her name is Midori. She is in mm-hmm. the office. And when Duncan sees her, he immediately flashes to somebody in kind of traditional Japanese garb. So she looks like somebody from his past. And so then we go up to the loft, and there's Duncan and Midori, and they're talking. She is very kind of uh, wishy she, she She looks nervous. Duncan asks her, you know, what, what's going on? Who are you waiting for? Blah, blah, blah. She pulls out an old bronze spyglass. And Duncan immediately recognizes it and knows that her last, her family name must be Koto. And so the Koto family had a deal with the McLeods. I love that. The McLeod family, (laughs) uh, that, that they could always come to a McLeod for help. So she looked up Duncan McLeod and came to him. Um, pretty impressive actually that she could find the one McLeod that fits that description. Right. Uh, and then we get our flat, our first flashback which we will get into and talk about. But the rest of the episode kind of actually goes through flashbacks and current time where Midori doesn't want Duncan's help. She married Michael. Uh, Oh, well, as they go to leave and head back for Japan, um, they run into Michael. So so she's told Duncan that she murdered her husband uh, and needs his help um, because her husband was possessive and bad for her and she married him because of money. And so he, Duncan's going to honor his vow to the Kodo family, and he's going to go with her back to Japan. Before they can even leave the, the country, her husband shows up, and that's when Duncan feels the presence of him as an immortal. They kind of have right. a, they, they don't know each other, but, you know, they know each other are immortals. Mm-hmm. So Midori, Midori doesn't, does not. Midori doesn't know that. Duncan does, but he doesn't let her, he, he's not spilling the beans to her. Um right. He's willing to keep helping her. She keeps trying to tell him he doesn't need to. He goes, and there's there's some back and forth where he goes to talk to Michael. Um, and it ends with, it ends up being that she kind of takes off while Duncan is away and goes back to Michael. Um, we do have a nice moment where Duncan comes back to the dojo after he had told Charlie, hey, keep her upstairs, keep her safe. If anyone shows up, get her out of here. Mm-hmm. Don't fight them. And he comes back to the dojo to Charlie fighting the two guys that showed up because yes. it's, it's Charlie. That's what Charlie does. 
And um, just lets him continue to fight them. That was yeah. great. Oh, that was good too. Um, Midori goes back to Michael. They head back for Japan. And Duncan meets up with her at the family shrine to kind of explain to her, you know, look, honor is not just about money. I'm here to help you. When Michael arrives and Duncan and Michael have their fight. You can guess how that ended. Because there's a rest of the season. <laughs> yes, because the show continues on. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. So most of the meat of this episode takes place in the flashbacks. We're going to talk about those. But before we do, I want to talk about our special guests this week. Because we have two of good them. Lord. And they're both pretty damn good. Yeah. When you swing your sword, bring the mountain's power through you. Bring the mountain's power through you. What is this sword play of poetry? Both. So we have a couple of special guests this week. And uh, to start, uh, Michael, the our, our bad guy or evil immortal, is played by Stephen McHattie. Mm-hmm. Stephen McHattie, if you don't recognize the name, you've seen him in things before. He was um, the original uh, Night Owl in uh, in the Watchmen movie, the old man Night Owl. <laughs> uh, Hollis Mason, he was great in that. Um, he showed up, I remember him on an episode of Fringe. The thing I like about Stephen McHattie, he's got a great presence. When I was younger... Mm-hmm. I conflated him a lot with Lance Henriksen. Yeah. To me, he was like the Kmart version of Lance Henriksen. And as I've gotten older, I've appreciated him more. Um, and I don't, I don't conflate them either, uh, as much, but they both have a, a similar look to them. Yeah, they really do. And even kind of a, a similar voice. I think Henriksen's voice has gotten uh, deeper as he's gotten older, more so than the caddies has, but they both have kind yeah. of that same, they can, you could s- almost swap them out for roles. Like they're that, to me, they're that similar, but I like, I like Stephen McCaddy a lot. And the thing mm-hmm. is this character of Michael is a very simple character. He's just a right. bad guy mm-hmm. and he's only there to be a bad guy. He's only there to be somebody you just don't like. He's powerful, mm-hmm. possessive, mean, um, right, and in a lesser uh, a lesser actor's hands, he would have been overly cheesy and pretty bad. I think right. what works is Stephen McCaddy plays him very earnestly, and it just his presence. He just lets his presence do the talking. Like he he doesn't try to mm-hmm. overdo the character. Right, he's almost subtle with it, mm-hmm. but to a great degree. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the thing we talk about when they bring in great actors and playing a character just right. Yep. Not too much, not too little, but just right. Yes, and the he didn't need to be more. He needed to be subtle. The character just there's not a lot there, so they did a great job of casting somebody that can just look mean, look angry, and Mm. be that role. Uh, that's all. He's just there to be a foil for Duncan. He's basically there to have somebody that Duncan can take out at the end and, and check mm-hmm. up, tick all the boxes for the formula. Right. Also, they, they added a new wrinkle to the whole bad immortal thing for him. And they, again, it's subtle. It's not a big thing, but that he sees humanity as action figures. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. So his wife was like the best action figure. So I'm, that was his whole motivation. It was interesting. Not the, I hate, humanity or i'm gonna rule humanity it's like no humanity is an action figure to me so yeah and this is just the best one, so i'm gonna keep it yep they're just possessions for him um mm-hmm. 
He looks at everything that way. Now, whether it's whether that's because he's an immortal or just because he's a very powerful person, we're not sure. But that's that's how he right. views life. Mm-hmm. So and and it's just it's a it's a good bog standard um, evil bad guy. Let's just have a right. bad guy to have a bad guy, and I'm fine mm-hmm. with that. Now, sure. our other major special guest uh, was Robert Ito as Hideo yeah. Koto. Best part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Hands down for me is Robert Ito as Hideo Koto. He's he's in all the flashbacks. He's not an immortal. He's just mm-hmm. a nobleman, just a samurai. And he's awesome. He's so good. Yeah. He steals every scene he's in. He's just, he's got this perfect... So McCaddy had a great presence to be the bad guy. Ito has this great presence to be the wiser, older man that's sort mm-hmm. of taking Duncan in. I want more of that. It's a bummer to me. If I had one complaint about this episode, it's that it introduced this great character and then got rid of this great character in one episode and didn't give us more of that because we don't really know how long Duncan was there. I mean, it feels like a few days at most. Yeah, it feels that way, but at the same time, you're like, it's got to be longer than that for him to be there long enough to learn the sword, to learn yeah. the kata, and all that stuff. Like, oh, I for think sure. They, you know, they talk, they make it as best as they can, which is not great. They use their TV budget to make it seem like he's been there longer, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel that way. I'm with you. I feel like if this were made today, with a more serialized approach instead of the the syndicated approach, they would have fleshed that out more. That would have been mm. the thing where a majority of your background in this season would have had Duncan going from the savage or the the English Scottish man that he was into you know slowly morphing into the version of Duncan that we have now, because that's mm-hmm. where a lot of that honor came from, right and. So I, the, they flesh it out more and more as the series goes on, but I feel like this would have been the thing to really focus on and have him have him in there. You could have uh, conflicts with the Shogun. You could have uh, things where, you know, Duncan early on defies Kodo and leaves anyway, and Kodo's got to reprimand right. him and, and blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of different directions that you could have gone in in this because this character was really cool and the actor was great. And I love, I, I mean, their chemistry was good. Like, Adrian Paul gives a great impression that he is genuinely just reverent of this, of this man. Mm-hmm. And, and I really, really, really liked that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Robert Ito just, just kills it, just nails this character perfectly. And I loved the moment, you know, as he's explaining the Japanese culture to Duncan and explaining how things work. And he never, throughout all of it, he never talks down to him either. Right. Even though, you know, he's sort of with a with a wink and a and, and a nod calls him a savage and you know gaijin and that he wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it's he, he doesn't really truly believe that because he sees something good in Duncan. Right. I was gonna say it's like uh we we know from the beginning he is a good man mm-hmm. and then Duncan with his charm wins him over is like I'm a good, you know, shows him I'm a good man too. And these two men have that bond of being good men together. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I was just, it would have been great to see more episodes with Kodo and more going on mm-hmm. there. And it's heartbreaking, you know, to have to have him have to uh, go through seppuku and yeah. ritual suicide like that. Um, and they showed about as much as you could on, on TV at the time. Um, yeah. Especially with the budget that they had and the time that they were mm-hmm. making and all that. But yeah, he just, oh, he's so good. Um, yeah. Also, we get to see where Duncan gets his sword. That's where the dragon head yeah. katana came from. Where it came from. So, so yeah, that was, that was a, very cool. I, I really, really enjoyed. I just enjoyed every scene that uh, Robert Edo was in. Every mm-hmm. every moment. You know, they have the moment where Duncan gives him the spyglass and he looks through it and just like the giddiness that he gets from seeing this. <laughs> and then, and then like his recollection, like I never would have thought of white men as being craftsmen. Right. So he's opening up his mind. He's very open-minded. He's not, he's not dismissive of it. And that's what I liked was he wasn't dismissive of Duncan out of hand. Right. Um, even though by all rights, he should have been based on the laws of the Shogun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But interesting he, that they told us the specific year too, that Duncan showed up or that that flashback. Yeah. Started. Yeah. I think that's something they start doing now. I think so. We get a lot more of like, this is the year as opposed to just kind of flashback and it's a vague ish. Right. Um, and then there was one more special guest you wanted to talk about too. Well, Tamlin Tamita who played, um, Midori. Midori. I mean, good gosh, she's been around forever. <laughs> I always remember her originally having such a crush on her from the Karate Kid Part 2. Mm. See, I haven't seen but the just, sequels to that in so long um, that I forget. Well, she she was the girl in Japan that he had a crush on. And mm-hmm. since, you know, he didn't have uh, his girlfriend come with him, just him and Mr. Miyagi, of course, he had to have some kind of love interest. Right. Um and she's just been she's been around forever. She's great. She was in the most uh, recent Star Trek series, Picard. Mm, okay. Um, and I don't want to say much about that because she has an interesting character in that 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 sh- series show. Um, but she's just great in everything she does. She kills it no matter what she does. Um, yeah, she was really good in this. Um, I thought that she played the character well. I mean, again, it's not a mm-hmm. complex character to play. There's mm-hmm. not a ton there for her, but she's believable in it the whole time. And there's never, there's never a moment of of any kind of like uh, sexual tension between her and Duncan, which could have easily yeah. been a trope to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just didn't, they didn't go that route. And I like right. that. And and I liked how she was still like the character still wanted to maintain the family honor. The family honor was paramount. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a great line from Hideo uh, when he says, you know, what do you see? And Duncan says, I see a man, Hideo Kodo. And he goes, no, what you see is all of the Kodos that have ever lived and will live. And the 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 other one that got me was um, when he says, you know, I have been honored to borrow the name mm-hmm. of Kodo. Uh, I just, I really, really like yeah. that. So, yeah, good, good work at a special guest this mm-hmm. week. Just, yeah. And, and, and. I got to throw one more nod to Hiro Kanagawa, who was the lover at the beginning, small mm-hmm. role. Uh, but he's gone on to do all kinds of stuff, too. He's phenomenal as well. Like, I texted you when I started this episode. I was like, good Lord, the cast of just this one episode. <laughs> it's like one of those things where, like, 
everybody's gone on to so much more and do so much more. And it's just, just like, man, they struck gold casting these people just for this episode and see what else they've done. Yeah. Just, just oh, great. I didn't, I didn't realize Hero was mm -hmm. in High Zombie, Man in the High Castle, mm -hmm. yeah. Altered Carbon. He's busy. Yeah. He's a busy yes. man. Mm -hmm. And he's good. He's good in everything he does. So, again, they, they, they find these actors that are really good and make small parts work really well because they are such good actors. Like somehow they've throughout the show, they have found a way to find these amazing actors that they're do getting great them. Jobs. Yeah. And, and part of it is that they're getting them really early in their careers, but you're seeing, mm -hmm. you're seeing a lot of acting skill in these young people. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then when you can take that into context and look at what they do throughout their career, you know, Joe yeah. Pagliano, notwithstanding, they, they all have done <laughs> really impressive stuff. Right. And poor Joey Pants. Like, he's he's <laughs> great in everything he's ever done except that episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's like the exception to our rule. <laughs> he really is. But, yeah, uh, I mean, just great, great work out of special guests. Mm -hmm. What do you see? A man. Hideo Koto. What you see is not just Hideo Koto, but all the Kotos that live, and all the Kotos that ever lived or ever will live. We are different. Our rulers want no part of the West. That is why you cannot go beyond these walls. So our flashbacks, we have a couple of them. Uh, we're kind of getting into the structure where the flashbacks are sprinkled throughout pretty regularly. We don't just have a single flashback. We usually get two or three shorter ones um with the story woven into it a little bit better i feel like they're they're kind of catching their stride there and right. these flashbacks are really good we talked quite a bit about robert ito and had and his character of hideo koto but i really liked how you know this uh our first flashback is very quick it's it's very simple mm -hmm. it's triggered by duncan seeing the spyglass and then we get to see how he met hideo right which was hideo finding him dead in the water and then mm -hmm. as he's getting ready to leave, men on horseback. And when I was writing out my notes, I, I started by saying bandits approach, but I don't think they were bandits. They were probably in the employ of the Shogun. Yeah, maybe. Would, would be my guess. And somehow had learned there was a gaijin on the beach and went to kill him. That is, mm -hmm. That seems to fit more with the narrative of the show, of the story that yeah. they were telling. Um, I, I think actually, I would... This is my narrative. I would say they were... Uh, a rival tribe or something maybe under this shogun but later on the shogun's men show up and they specifically are wearing much more red oh that's a good point i didn't think art. about that so i think it's just a subtle thing they did just to not necessarily explain it but have a way of saying it's not exactly the shogun's men and just whatever you know sure okay um but uh, so uh, kodo fights them off and then Duncan wakes up and joins the fight. Uh, right. And a after they defeat everybody, there's a great moment where Duncan's kind of doing the, yeah, all right. And, you know, and he, you know, I'm Duncan McLeod and Kodo just cuts his sword right in half. <laughs> right. Just cuts it right out of his hand and turns around and walks away. Right. Leaving, leaving a confused Duncan standing in the water before Hideo kind of turns back to him with this look of like, dude, you coming along or what? Let's go. Come right. On. Um, and that's that's the first moment, you know, it's it's within whatever it is, a minute of meeting this character. That's the first moment where you realize, okay, I like this guy. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where the flashback ends. And we come back to it later. And here's, uh, they're, they're inside Hideo's home. Hideo is teaching Duncan how to fight, uh, which was great. They're doing some, some Japanese wrestling. Um, he's just mopping the floor with Duncan. Just, just mm-hmm. uh, judo one way and the other. I think, I think it's judo. I'm not sure. I, I don't know my art my arts my yeah. martial arts well enough but he's he's flipping him and tossing him and uh makes fun of him pokes fun at him tells right. him should i get a servant to get you a pillow uh uh-huh. all this kind of stuff and then they're they're learning sword movements um that's another one of those great moments where he's he's talking about you know feel the power of the mountain mm-hmm. <laughs> that great line is this sword play or poetry both yeah I was like, oh, it's good. good And then Duncan gets better and, you know, he makes this thing about it and Duncan just puts it back to him. He's like, maybe I'm good at poetry. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's one of those little things where it's like, okay, Duncan's actually learning. Like, he's not just the barbarian. He is somebody who is actually taking this in. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you figure Duncan is... uh, is a little bit older by this point and, and we're starting... This is... We see that... It's an evolution. And mm. that is one of the strong things about this show is that even though it is not a serialized show and it is very syndicated standalone stories, they did a really good job. Adrian Paul really figured out the character and the writers did a good job of showing the progression of Duncan McLeod through the ages and mm-hmm. through the years. So that when we have a flashback to him, in the 1700s, he's going to be wiser. He's going to be a little bit more evolved than he was right in the 1500s when he first met Amanda mm-hmm. or something like that. So I like that. Those are little things that you even notice more as you're watching all the episodes kind of all the way through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the flashbacks are just are really good. And they, they manage to keep the budget down by having a lot of interior shots um, mm-hmm. inside the, the houses, which was right. It's nice, but I just, I really enjoyed these flashbacks uh, because there was a lot of, a lot of story without a lot of plot going Mm -hmm. on in this episode. This episode was really about uh, kind of Duncan learning honor right, and and learning a different culture from his own, probably for one of the first times. Like, and by, by different, I'm talking drastically different, not like another European culture, but a far Eastern culture that he probably right. had little to no exposure to. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it focused more on the relationships mm-hmm. through all the characters. And like you said, keeping the budget down, there's a lot of interior, even the exterior stuff. It's like uh, probably some garden they found somewhere and just squeezed it in, but they made it work really well. Oh yeah. And just, you know, did a lot with just a little, like you can, for those of, us that like pick and pick our nits at stuff like this and see that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I could see that, but at the same time, I'm like they did a good job with that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, and like I say, I mean, if, if I had a complaint, it's just that they could have, they could have, and I wish they would have spent more time in the series in mm-hmm. that setting with those characters. I want to sure. see Duncan spend more time there learning the culture. I want to see him, you know, to a point maybe where, you know, you can do the tropey thing where he leads the tea ceremony, where he learns how he learns to enjoy the food that they have and he learns everything. And maybe mm. still you have it work out where eventually Kodo does have to 
commit suicide because his shogun demands it because the shogun finds out right. but it takes time to get there mm -hmm. um, but again like you said we're, we're picking nits here i mean it's totally right. picking because it's still a solid episode and it's good flashbacks we, and yeah. you just you could have had more with um uh was it maya the daughter uh, mm -hmm. of kodo and and learn more about and and it gives that all it would have done was it would have fleshed things out and it would have given even more weight to the promise that Duncan made to the Kodo family that they can always mm -hmm. come to the McClouds. Sure. Um, so plus there was a, a fun moment where, you know, Hideo is like, hey, the, the uh, all Gaijin need to be put to death. And Duncan's like, I've got a way out of this. They can kill me. Mm -hmm. um, which, again, if you stretch it out, that that scene can still happen that story beat can happen just later on down the line um, right but yeah good good flashbacks i like mm -hmm. when the flashbacks serve a story purpose that in this case was really important but wasn't part of a plot right and yet fit with what was going on in the current time in terms of like honor uh and whatnot. yeah so yeah, really, really, really good stuff. I want to know everything there is to know about Duncan McCloud. I want to know where he lives, what he's worth, who he knows, if he's connected. Sounds like more than business as usual, sir. So, amazingly, no Richie and no Joe in the season mm -hmm. premiere, which surprised yeah. me. They were both in the season finale. They had uh, big moments in the season finale, but we don't get them in this episode. Um, right. But Charlie's back. We got Charlie. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love that. And I liked, they very easily could have had some, some tension between Duncan and Charlie. And it would have even made sense um, mm -hmm. to have that based on how they parted midway through season two. Yeah. And eventually in the episode, they, he asked Duncan about, you know, you get back, stuff happens and all this. And it's like, you know he wants to prod. He wants to go there. Oh, yeah. But it's like they know each other well enough that he's like, now's not the time. Yeah. I mean, Charlie wants to, wants to, and Duncan's not going to budge. And Charlie's kind of figured that out as well. Right. But I also, you know, they, they just, they have a good chemistry. A Phil Aiken and mm -hmm. Adrian Paul just work well together. And they do. You know, you've got the moment, like, I love how Duncan comes back and immediately, like that day, is like, I got to leave for Japan. As Charlie wants to come out and go over the books with him. He's got like the checkbook in his hand. And he's like, Japan, uh -huh. you just got back. Well, that was Paris. That's like a whole other country, continent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was great. That and was then, great. and you even have like, like you said earlier, uh, Duncan comes back to the dojo and Charlie's fighting off the two guys. Duncan just stands there and watches. <laughs> just lets Charlie, because Charlie's handling it. Like he's taking care of these uh -huh. guys. Um, but yeah, any episode with Charlie, I'm good with. Uh, yeah. He, he just makes them better. And it's it's the chemistry between the two of them. It's those characters just get along. It's a good, healthy friendship that doesn't feel forced. And mm -hmm. there's no um, there's a respect between the two of them, regardless of the fact that Charlie wants to know what the hell is going on with Duncan because he knows Duncan's not telling him everything, but he can't figure out what it is. Right. You know. I think in his mind, he's still probably dead set on Duncan's probably some kind of government agent. Right. Probably. <laughs> and with his military background, that would, you know, that would be probably the first place he would go. And Duncan mm -hmm. just not going to tell him. Right. Um, 
I, I was a little bummed not to see Charlie and Joe or Richie and Joe rather. Uh, but you know, yeah. they'll be back. Yeah. I mean, they're in the credits, so they're coming back at some point. Oh, for sure. Uh, and then our final fight, um, is there is a final fight between Duncan and yeah. Michael, uh, and it's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with it at all. Mm-hmm. It's a well staged. It looks great. I did like right. the setting. I like the setting on the water. Um, mm-hmm. it did. There was one thing it did have that I thought was interesting, which was Michael is ready to fight Duncan at the shrine. Right. And Duncan's like, this is holy ground. And Michael's reaction wasn't, you're right. It's holy ground. Let's go somewhere else. It's you're the guest here. You can die wherever you please. <laughs> Which makes me wonder if he's ever tried to, if he would fight people on holy ground or not. I mean, we're never going to know, mm. but it's just one of those like, wow, this guy really just doesn't care about anyone yeah, or anything but himself. So, um, but yeah, the, the fight itself is pretty good. Yeah. It was well choreographed. Like I was, I was watching, I was like, okay, this is a good fight. I don't know how much training Stephen McCaddy has had before this, but he's doing pretty good. Or he's got a good stunt double that they're mixing in there. Like, yeah, um, I would say the only cheesy part to it is when uh, when Duncan gets his sword caught and he can't get it out uh, of the rock. Like it, it, it somehow right. gets caught in between the rocks and he can't get the sword free. But then after he defeats, you know, he grabs the other sword, he, he blocks it, grabs it away from him. Then he just easily pulls the sword back out from the rocks. Yeah, I was like, yeah, come on, maybe, maybe that doesn't work so well. But again, yeah. nitpicking. Right. Yeah, I mean, I could stretch it and be like, okay, he couldn't pull his sword out the way he wanted to to fight, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's good, and then we get a... So, it, again, ticking the boxes of the formula. We get a fight, we get a quickening, and Duncan mm-hmm. is able to release Midori from her marriage at, while she can still retain her honor and her family's honor. Right. So, overall, mm-hmm. not bad. Yeah. Gonna have to wait, Charlie. I've got to go to Japan. Japan? Yeah, you know, land of rising sun. I... You just got back. That was Paris. It's a different continent. Oh, very funny, McLeod. I'll give you the air miles. Mm. Come on, watch the store for me. Don't I always? And that is our season premiere for season three, The Samurai. Uh, that mm-hmm. was a hell of an episode. It was, it really, it was, was. really, really good. Mm-hmm. It To beat the dead horse, it follows what we have been saying for... 40-something episodes now, almost, which is simple story, complex characters. Mm-hmm. Plot of this is about as easy a plot as you can find to write. Right. And good actors behind these characters mm-hmm. doing them well. Not doing them too much, not doing them too little, hitting just the sweet spot of what that character needs to be. The show has really had a pretty good track record. I would say about a third of the way through season two to present of characters where when they need to be over the top, they're played over the top and done well. And when Mm -hmm. they need to be subtle, they're played more subtle. Right. And in this case, you could have had... Oh, well, it's just an evil immortal, so he can go crazy. No, no, no. It works better to have Stephen McCaddy playing him just very middle of the road, very mm-hmm. calm, uh, yeah. calm, angry man, right? Yeah. Instead of flamboyant. You know, he needs to be uh, the Batman, the animated series version of the Riddler, not Frank Gorshin's Riddler. Yes. And so that works. And then you get the the flashbacks are great. And all the stuff with Robert Edo, Robert Edo just 
kills it. Best part of the episode. I'll say it again. Just, mm-hmm. just amazing. Um, some great lines uh, throughout the episode, but we still get a fight at the end. We still get a quickening. Um, and and uh, this one was big for the Highlander series lore. This is where Duncan gets his samurai sword. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing because we don't know before this. He just had mm-hmm. it. And it's weird that he had one and Connor had one and the show never really right. explained that. So now we see how he got his. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I would have liked to see how he got away with it. Cause like, uh, Midori was like, you've got our family sort. How'd that happen? <laughs> yeah. Again, <laughs> well, I- you know, if, if I had a complaint about the episode and it's, it's a minor, it's minor in that I still love this episode, but just mm-hmm. stretch out this story. Give us more of Duncan's time with Hideo Kodo. Yeah. Give us, give us more Robert Ito. Give us more time in feudal Japan because there's a lot of meat on that bone. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. given the nature of the show, we didn't, we didn't really get that. Um, right. But it still just knocks it out of the park. Great, great season opener too. I mean, for sure. if you're not going to have some kind of a wraparound, because I know there have been, I believe we're going to have seasons coming up where kind of, the finale melds into the premiere of the next season mm-hmm. um, or something along those lines, but they connect in some way. And this, because right. season two had such a definitive end and this was mm-hmm. a definitive opening, which doesn't link either. I mean, aside from Duncan coming back to the U S right. This could, the, you could almost put this episode in anywhere, mm-hmm. but you it really was, could've it was really smart of the producers to make this the first episode of season three and really get off on the right foot. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, give... let's not, let's not do some big grand new story arc. Let's just do a dang Highlander episode. And they mm-hmm. did a dang Highlander episode. Yes. Yep. It, it ticked all the boxes. It did everything you want out of a standard Highlander episode and it did it all perfectly. Mm-hmm. Now next week we've got one called line of fire. Mm-hmm. And folks, you're going to want to watch this one because uh, I looked and I don't remember the episode. However, our, our bad guy is being played by Randall Tex Cobb. And if you, know, <laughs> if you know who that is, you know why we're excited. <laughs> yeah. Also, pretty sure Richie's going to be in this one. So that's going to be next yeah. week. Uh, line of Fire as we dive headlong into season three of Highlander the series. And uh, if you like this show and you want to spread word about it, number one, thank you uh, for listening. We, we love all of you. And word of mouth is the easiest way to get people um, familiar with the show. But for, for the ones that you can't talk to directly, if you want to make the show more noticeable, leaving reviews on the podcasting platform of your choice does help to make things more discoverable. Uh, so we do appreciate that if you can do that. You can also hang out with us while we record live at twitch.tv slash Travis. Be like Danny Ora and Ace. Um, and and hang out in our chat room because you get to hear our thoughts yeah. between segments as well. Um, <laughs> and kind of where we're going with an episode and, and what we're thinking and kind of what directions we're going in. Um, or you can uh, have fun conversations about burning CDs in the 90s. Uh, either way. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we record on Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and that's at twitch.tv slash Travis. The show uh, can be found at anchor.fm slash Let's Watch Highlander and comes out every Thursday, usually towards the morning. Um, but 
on Thursdays. The show is live, so be ready for that as we dive into Season 3. We're moving right along. We've got 22 episodes uh, yeah. to go, so we have 21 more. Um, so yeah, next week is Line of Fire, and until then, remember that there can be only one story of how Duncan got the Dragonhead Cow. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>